YRB, young Ryan Blaney has got his first win of the season. What is going on, everybody? It's Suits from the KVJ Show. Jeremy Kaufman on Fox Sports 640 talking NASCAR on Flag to Flag. Your home for the latest here every Wednesday night. And yep, Ryan Blaney has got that first win of the season. It is the fifth of his career. And I think we might have to start looking at the nickname, The Closer. We've called Kevin Harvick that for a while. Five career wins for Ryan Blaney. Every single one of them came with a pass within 10 laps to go. And he did that again, honestly, in very surprising fashion this past weekend. I did not think Ryan Blaney had a snowball's chance to win that race. I mean, you look at what Kyle Larson was able to do out on track. He started pretty good, dominated 269 of 325 laps. He led. He was really untouchable and at one point i even saw which i thought was a pretty good uh, response the wood brothers tweeted out the five is just playing he's got a cruise missile at a fireworks show and that's a good way to describe it because nobody could touch him and my concern was okay are we at the point where kyle larson no offense to him but has a had a couple of incidents with maybe bouncing off the wall late in a race, trying to really run um, as aggressive as possible, burning up his stuff. And I think that's what we might have seen this past weekend if maybe Kyle Larson just burned up the rear tires on that last run or something because he lost a lot of speed at the end. And with just a handful of laps remaining, Ryan Blaney not only caught him, but passed him fairly easily. It did not seem like Kyle Larson had much to work with, which really was surprising because this car was untouchable the entire day. It's one of the things you got to love about racing. You sit there all day long, and honestly, Kyle Larson kind of stunk up the show. We didn't have a lot of restarts to switch things up. Larson was way out in front. You kind of just thought, yep, Larson's got this. That's why you don't walk away from the TV. That's why you don't leave early. You never know what's going to happen. Ryan Blaney somehow finds his way by. He goes to victory lane, and that makes us six for six to start the year. Six different winners in six races. That is the first time that's happened since 2014, and this weekend we're going for seven straight. If that happens, it'd be the first time since 2003 we've had that many winners to start a year. So the big question is starting to loom. Are we going to see 16 different winners during the regular season? Could somebody make the playoffs, or miss the playoffs rather, with a win. It's never happened before, at least for somebody in the top 30 in points. I'm still steadfast that we're way too soon to make this call and start really looking seriously at the 16 different winners because, I mean, 16 different people out of a field of 36 chartered teams and a couple of extra cars over the course of 26 weeks, to have that many different winners, really, it is something so difficult to have happen. It would be wild. And you can never say, especially with the way things go in NASCAR, that anything is impossible. I'm not putting my money on it yet. I haven't been convinced enough. Even with a wild card, the Bristol Dirt Track coming up this weekend, I don't know. I think we might break the trend um, when we uh, get to that a little later on the show, talking about the Bristol Dirt Race. A lot to talk about heading into that weekend. I I think there are a couple of guys you're going to keep an eye out for that possibly could break our streak rather than continue it of six different winners. Talking about that coming up a little bit later in the show, but why don't we talk about how Ryan Blaney got that lead? Because there was a little bit of help with this move. Kyle Larson, after he got passed, he had a simple thing to say on the radio. Man, I hate Joey Logano. Joey Logano, of course, Kyle, uh, or uh, rather uh, Ryan Blaney's teammate over at uh, P- Team Penske. 
Now, Joey Logano was the last car on the lead lap in uh, about 14th, 15th position at the time that we were getting down to the finish. And Kyle Larson, I guess, was having issues passing him. Now, honestly, to me, it didn't look like he was too close to Joey Logano. But when you're running behind somebody and the air starts to affect them from about, you know, a little under a second back, it can make a difference. And Larson was doing a great job at Harvicking, you know, running that white line right on the paint on the bottom of the racetrack like we've seen Kevin Harvick do so many times. And it looked like Joey Logano just took his line away and Larson did not have the car at that point in the race to find a way around him. So when Ryan Blaney caught him, he was able to not only get by pretty easily, but Joey Logano naturally didn't fight his teammate too much. We don't talk about team orders in NASCAR nearly as much as you hear in other forms of motorsports, especially Formula One. But I do find it interesting when we have these scenarios where you have a teammate who either can get out of the way and let the battle for the win play out, or they can battle hard to help their teammate. I don't see a major problem with it. It's part of racing. You know, there's not a lot of times you get to be a teammate in racing. You really don't. So many times you're competing against your own teammate. You're trying to win. You're out for yourself. This is about the only time you really see it. And I really don't think Joey Logano did anything too outside of the ordinary or really all that wrong. He wasn't aggressively blocking Kyle Larson. Larson was not right on his bumper where he was making it a massive headache and you know, pinching him down to where he could get sideways or anything along those lines. He just stole his line away. And let's not forget, too, Joey Logano is on the lead lap at this point. It's not like he's multiple laps down where, okay, get out of the way. You have no chance whatsoever. If we had a caution late in that race, who knows? Maybe some guys, I mean, they probably all pit, but maybe some guys stay out. Joey Logano gets fresh tires. We saw with that wore-out Atlanta surface, what the tires were doing. A half a lap on tires, and guys were ready to change them. It made that much of a difference. So in all reality, with a chance to restart, maybe gain a couple of spots on pit road and restart 10th if there's a caution, if I'm Joey Logano, I don't want to lose a lap. I don't know what's going to happen coming up at this point. Forget Ryan Blaney trying to catch him. I'm sure it was in his mind that's what was happening, but... Look, you think about yourself in this situation. Joey Logano still had a chance to salvage a top 10 if a caution flag came out. But when you lose a lap, it makes it that much more difficult. Think about it. Even if he gets passed and is in the free pass position, Joey Logano still has to start at the tail end of the longest line. He's not going to start 15th. He's going to start back out around the 30th car and have to pass all of these lap cars in a short amount of time before he can make up the laps. So really, I don't think Joey Logano was all that out of the line. If you're Kyle Larson, of course you're frustrated. You couldn't pass a lapped car, and that's the way he's looking at it, and you lost the race because of it. Bottom line, nobody really did anything wrong there. That's just racing. And Ryan Blaney, he was able to run down Kyle Larson, make quick work of him, get by his teammate, and then drive on to win the race. And I think he really earned it with that one. A great run for that team. They needed it. You know, they've had some close calls, but they haven't been winning as consistently as, or consistently as their teammate has. Uh, with Brad Kay and uh, Joey Logano. So I I think it's big for them to get their first win of the season fairly early, get to victory lane, and really carry the flag for Penske. He's the first guy so far this year driving for Roger Penske in the Cup Series that has been the victory lane. We've got six winners right now. Started out with Michael McDowell. uh, uh, Christopher Bell picked up the win on the road course at the Daytona road course. Uh, And then, of course, we also had uh, William Byron, Kyle Larson uh, getting wins this past weekend. Ryan Blaney. So I I do think that 
in this scenario, Kyle Larson, I get why he's upset. Joey Logano did nothing wrong. And Ryan Blaney, he got a huge win when it counted most. It, it's always a good feeling when you are on the other side of that. Too many times you lead a ton of laps, you don't win a race. Ryan Blaney, he flipped it around. Once again, he does not tend to win when he leads a lot of laps. But when he's just around and he's got a shot to strike late, you can count on Ryan Blaney. He might be the new closer. I, I'm telling you. Five career wins and you've never led more than 10 laps straight to the finish. That's pretty wild to have that kind of streak going. On the flip side of it, Stuart Haas Racing, man, they were out to lunch. And this, this shocked me. It's been a really bad year for everybody not named Kevin Harvick that drives for Tony Stewart and Gene Haas. It really has been. But if you take a look at Kevin Harvick and Atlanta, I thought for sure this was the week that he could win. It's weird having Kevin Harvick go this long into a season not winning as it is. We're so used to him winning races like crazy. It was in nine wins last season. That's basically a fourth of the season. Kevin Harvick won. So to see him go in almost now, we're, we're heading to the seventh week of the season and Harvick has not won a race, but we, we go to Atlanta Motor Speedway and you think, well, I mean, this is a given. We, we nicknamed the, the freaking groove you run Harvicking because he's so good at it. He's the best there. He was never really a factor. Early on in the race, and, and I wonder how much this really set them back. Maybe we didn't get a chance to really see their car because they, on a early restart, were coming to the green flag, had a flat tire, had a pit. They were able to... Stay on the lead lap, but again, we saw some major long green flag runs, and that really made it tough for them to make up the distance they lost. They ended up falling a, a lap down. In fact, at one point in this race, I, I looked up. It was lap 187, and all of Stuart Haas Racing were lapped. We're just past halfway in this race. All of them are lapped. Kevin Harvick, he always finds a way to rebound. I didn't even realize he finished 10th. Not until I was getting my prep done and getting ready to do this show. I, I can't believe he got himself back on the lead lap to begin with. But Kevin Harvick, he got that lap back. He finished 10th. As for the rest of the team, two of their drivers finished a lap down. That's Cole Custer, Eric Amarola, 18th and 20th, respectively. And then Chase Briscoe in 23rd, two laps down. This is a rookie season for Chase Briscoe, but this team is struggling mightily to start this year. And we're getting to the point where we're approaching a quarter of not only the full season, but... We're on race seven this week of 26. You can't fall too much further behind. We've got a playoffs to make. There's not a ton of time when you really think about it. If you don't get to victory lane, pointing your way in, it takes an entire season long effort. And if you fall behind early, it can be very tough without winning a race to make up that distance. And Chase Briscoe, I think he's a very talented driver. Of course, he's a rookie in this series. I don't expect him to win. I really don't. It's rare rookies get to victory lane. Cole Custer did it last year. It's his teammate. But I just don't see that out of this team right now for Chase Briscoe winning a race this year. So points, points, points. They've got to start earning stage points and, and improving their runs in these races. Otherwise, they're going to be in big trouble. And in all reality, that goes for all of Stuart Haas Racing. I don't worry about Kevin Harvick. He's going to turn it around at some point. I'm very surprised. You know, he said that that was the worst car he's ever driven in Atlanta. I believe him when he says it. That car did not look good. It was very uncharacteristic of him. So I'm not worried about Kevin Harvick. I think he'll pick it up. He'll turn it around. He'll have great runs. He'll get to victory lane. I don't know if it's going to happen this weekend with the unknown of the Bristol Dirt Race, but he's definitely going to be good. Everybody else on Stuart Haas Racing, I'm worried about them. They don't win on a consistent basis, and they need these points to make the playoffs. Stuart Haas Racing, they're getting a little bit close for those other three drivers to hit that panic button. 
Hendrick Motorsports, too. I'm getting worried with the mistakes they're making. I don't know what it is with the inspection issues we're seeing at Hendrick Motorsports. Last week, three of their four cars right off the bat started at the rear. We had multiple speeding penalties for all of the cars, basically. I think Kyle Larson ended up with two of them and cost him a fantastic run, and he still rebounded. So that just shows you how good these Hendrick cars are, uh, in particular Kyle Larson, to start the year. But Chase Elliott, right off the bat, you're behind the eight ball. He started in the back again because he failed inspection. This is two weeks in a row. And reminder, if you're going to the rear of the field, you don't just fail once. You have to fail twice. Two failures is going to send you to the rear. Three, you're going to lose a car chief. And we've seen a few of them ejected from inspection issues, always in in that uh, laser inspection, the optical scanning station that we seem to see these problems. But regardless, Chase Elliott dropped to the rear. He was doing okay. His home track, I know there's a lot of pressure, blew an engine. Uh, Just a, a disastrous day for Chase Elliott. He ends up at the finish Second to last, 38th place. That happened just early in stage three. And then Kyle Busch, Joe Gibbs Racing, they were running great too, and they still rebounded for a good finish, but they got themselves a speeding penalty under that caution. Who knows where they would have been late in this race. There was a point there where that 18 car looked bad fast, and it looked like he had a chance to potentially contend. They lost their track position, still ended up with a top five finish, which was really impressive comeback because we did, again, not have many cautions in this race. A lot of long green flag runs. So for Kyle Busch, that team did a fantastic job rebounding. And other drivers to uh, take a look at here that got some really good finishes as we run through your top 10. Alex Bowman, one of those Hendrick cars, he has been the struggler, though, of the group to start the year. He got his first top five. Just a nice, solid, clean day for them. First top five finish of the season. Denny Hamlin in fourth. Kyle, we just mentioned, in fifth. Austin Dillon, a great run in sixth. Chris Buescher, these Roush Fenway Fords are showing some speed. He is in seventh. William Byron, another Hendrick car. He has had a great start to the season. They have limited their mistakes and got their first win already. He's at eighth. Martin Truex Jr. Last week's winner comes home ninth and Kevin Harvick with that rebound in 10th. And a couple of notable guys to mention. Remember Brad Keselowski, he did not have a good finish all the way back in 28th. Now this, I don't know if it is indicative of their performance. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. slid up in front of Brad and he got into the back of him lap 125. That did some damage to the front end and we really never heard anything from Brad after that. He lost uh, a few laps, ended up back in the 28th position. And I got to give a shout out to Daniel Suarez. Now, at, at gl- first glance, it doesn't look great. 17th place finish. This is a brand new team. And 17th is respectable in my mind for a team that's brand new. Pitbull is uh, one of the co-owners of this organization, Justin Marks. He is the big guy, though, that is running the day-to-day. And this team was really a top 10 contender all race long. And this is a challenging racetrack. You got to remember with this worn out surface, even with the lower downforce package, higher speeds here than we see at some other racetracks. Aerodynamic, very important. And they were a legitimate top 10 contender. The only reason that finish did not happen for them, speeding on the last green flag pit stop, and it was a green flag pit stop, so that was a pass-through penalty, put them way behind the eight ball, and they ended up with a 17th place finish. But watch this 99 team. I was very impressed with Daniel Suarez and company with this run. I really thought they were looking at, like, getting the top 10 finish at Atlanta, which would have been a huge moment for that organization. But if they keep running like that, it is coming. I wouldn't be too worried about them if they can keep up those runs. They said they were here to win. Starting out with uh, top 10 runs as a new organization, that would be a big step in the right direction. Well, coming up here in a bit, punches were thrown. We had quite the uh, 
scuffle on pit road between Noah Gragson and Daniel Hemrick. Uh, and uh, we'll let you know. Noah again is in it. He has been really in drama, it seems like, every week this year. But we'll let you know if Noah really was at fault here. What did NASCAR say about it? Are penalties coming? I've got that for you next. Plus, NASCAR is trending on Twitter. I'm not sure it's for the greatest reason, although I love how everybody's coming together. The hashtag let Timmy race. Have you heard about it? I'll let you know what it's all about coming up in a couple of minutes here on Flag to Flag. It's Fox Sports 640. Man, we had some fists flying in at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's Jeremy Kaufman hanging with you on Fox Sports 640, and this is Flag to Flag, your home for NASCAR. And, you know, this was one of the biggest stories of the weekend, a fist fight between Noah Gragson, which right off the bat you're kind of like, oh, Noah Gragson, shocker. Right? <laughs> Noah Gregson has been the center of drama for a few weeks here. It seems like this is happening week in, week out. Uh, and his combatant this week, Daniel Hemrick, who is not normally somebody you see in fistfights, but he was the instigator. And this all went down uh, post-race after Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race. And basically what happened... Noah Gragson was coming down pit road. Daniel Hemrick was pitted behind him. There seemed to be some disagreement with them being very close together about when they were going to pit. Maybe they were pitting on different laps to avoid this, um, but they both ended up coming down pit road together. And Daniel Hemrick overshot his pit box, slid into Noah's, and had a backup into his. And while he was trying to back up, Noah got there, had a jam on the brakes, was at a weird angle outside of his pit box, and then he had to pull around at an odd angle, and he was clearly frustrated. You saw him waving his hand out the window in front of Daniel Hemrick into his box. But the rules for these pit stops are, are, are fairly straightforward. The front of your car can't be over the line in the front. And your right side tires must be within the box. The left sides don't have to be. Your right side tires must be in the box. So if you come in at a weird angle and your right rear is just on the line, you can't pit that car. You're going to get a pass-through penalty from NASCAR. So what we had here was Noah Gragson appearing to back up in his stall, but he backed up and hit the nose of Daniel Hemrick. Uh, kind of punched a hole in the nose of the car, too. And that's where everything kind of got started here. It, it seemed like it all just progressed normally throughout the race. We were good. The race comes to an end. And right as Noah Gragson's being interviewed on the big screens, it was great timing. The fist started flying. Uh, he's in front of the camera. Daniel comes over and swings. I, I think Hemrick might have landed one. I'm not so sure about Noah. A couple of punches were thrown, but they were quick to pull these guys apart. And I, I want to definitely give you the quote of the weekend because when they asked the uh, driver of the number 18, Daniel Hemrick, hey, what was the deal there? He went, well, he punched a hole in my nose. I punched him in the eye. Now we're even. You gotta love these NASCAR guys. So that was his attitude about it. He backed into me because I was in there. He felt it was intentional. And and the, the question, of course, becomes now, we can't have drivers backing into each other on pit road during pit stops. We're putting guys' lives at risk by doing that. These are 3,000-pound stock cars. You've got guys who are trying to change the tires. You can't be backing into people and hitting them. So my, my first reaction to this is, that's really out of line from Noah Gragson. But, and I, I actually agree with both Noah and NASCAR on this, he was not penalized. 
And the reason being, and I think it's a very telling video. If you have not seen it, you can check it out on Noah Gragson's Twitter. He put up the overhead shot that all the teams keep of their pit stops. And it looked to me like he really had no choice but to back up that far. I don't know that he actually intentionally hit Daniel Hemrick because the amount that he backed up, hit Hemrick and pulled forward, was really very close to still being outside of the pit box. If he didn't back up that much and swing the car around, he probably would have pulled in, still had the tire on the white line, and had to back up and do it again. So I don't know that he was trying to ram Daniel Hemrick. At least you can't prove it, especially with this video. I mean, it puts reasonable doubt in your mind, to say the least, when you watch this video. Noah Gragson, he's got a lot of heat around him. He's getting into a lot of controversies. He is getting labeled the silver spoon kid that just, you know, has no respect for how well of a position he's in. And some of the criticism, honestly, I don't know if you can say it's unwarranted because Noah has really put himself into some rough situations with his comments and his actions. But when I look at what happened here and I look at the video evidence, I really do think they made the right call. We can't be penalizing people for accidents. I really don't think we should be doing that. That happens in other forms of motorsport, and that's the way they do it, and maybe I'm just used to it from watching it so much, you know, uh, open wheel and sports cars and everything like that. But NASCAR really is a rough and tumble sport. It's about contact, doing it safely, and not, you know, doing ridiculous things intentionally, which is what originally I thought Noah did. But if he backed up and didn't intend to hit him, We're not going to go ahead and start penalizing people for that. That's ridiculous. Now we're really over-policing these guys. Nobody got hurt. Pit road accidents happen. I would be really disappointed to find out that was intentional because you know guys are servicing the car, and that's not the time you hit another car. You really shouldn't hit another car in general, but you definitely don't do it when the car is being serviced by six pit crew members that you could potentially injure who are out there with just fire suit and a helmet. I mean, you don't risk that. And I really don't think Noah Gragson did. I think that he was trying to back up. He misjudged it. He bumped the front end of the 18, and it was just coincidental that all had happened. It was a result of him sliding into uh, or having Daniel Hemrick slide into his pit box, overshoot it. He backed up. He was mad about it, yes, but I don't think he did it intentionally. At the very least, you can't tell me you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt he did it. So NASCAR decides... We're going to let it slide. No penalty, no call, and I think that is the right move. But you can always let us know what you think. I know Noah's a a lightning rod right now on NASCAR Twitter. At SuitsKVJ, Suits from the KVJ Show. Um, And you can hit me up there on Twitter. Let me know what you think. Should Noah have gotten a penalty? Was it obvious? Am I just off on this? You let me know on Twitter at SuitsKVJ. Well, Twitter is blowing up today. At least NASCAR Twitter is. And we, we kind of bled over. We are on mainstream Twitter, trending ninth in the country with the hashtag Let Timmy Race. Now, if you don't know what's going on, we're racing actually tonight. As uh, soon as the show basically wraps up, you can catch Dirt iRacing on Fox Sports 1. This is the reincarnation of the Pro Invitational Series that we saw during the pandemic break last year. And it was a really fun way to entertain the fans while we did not have racing going on. Everybody was staying at home. It was a little bit goofy. It was a little bit fun. And I'm really looking forward to watching it. But, and I thought this was interesting, when NASCAR filled out their field, however they decided to do it, they obviously stuck to charter teams. They put a couple of open teams in. They did not include Timmy Hill, which Timmy Hill has run all the races this year for MBM Motorsports. That's uh, Carl Long's organization. And 
he was expecting to be in that. And, and this really sucks for multiple reasons. Because first and foremost, Timmy Hill, he won one of those races last year. He's an incredible iRacer, and he does not get many opportunities. You know, he, he's driving in an underfunded ride. He's doing everything he can to make it, but he doesn't have that kind of backing where he can get a successful ride and have a chance to really show what he can do. But on the great equalizer of iRacing, where everybody's got the same, he went out there and he won one of those races. And not to mention his iRacing statistics is something insane. It's he's got almost 700 career wins. It's well over 600. So everybody was kind of shocked by this, but it set off a domino effect. These races, they're going to be live on TV. They're going to have a sizable audience. And this is an opportunity for NBM Motorsports to stick their sponsors on the car and then be covered on TV up front. Like they would not be on the actual racetrack. So they were really running the full season for the sole purpose of being included in this iRacing series so they could run up front in that and hopefully attract some attention to Timmy Hill and MBM Motorsports. They weren't included. Every full-time driver for the most part other than Timmy Hill, and that's really messed up. You know, yeah, he's not a front runner, but he is running full-time. And the domino effect of all of this, they may no longer be a full-time cup team because they're not going to be in iRacing, which sounds really crazy, but Bottom line, it makes sense. Timmy Hill, this is uh, his quote uh, basically uh, describing the situation. He said, we're running cup races this year, despite NASCAR cutting their prize money back on us. Now, that did happen. Uh, NASCAR has reorganized the the money, and it's not uh, publicly released anymore. But the way the charter system works, a bulk of the money goes to the charter teams, 36 of them. Timmy Hill, an open organization without one of those charters that guarantees you a spot in each race, Uh, They have to kind of get whatever's left for the open money, the cars that are 37th through 40th in the starting lineup that did not have a charter. NASCAR has apparently scaled that money back, which is really unfortunate because the teams that really need it are are the ones that don't have the charters. So uh, scaling that money back, I I don't understand that. I I don't know the numbers, so I can't be too critical because I don't really know what the decision-making process was, but it just does not seem right to me. So after the money was cut back, Timmy Hill said we purposely – Ran full-time so we could make the Pro Invitational iRacing Series. So now, with all these odds stacked against us, not being invited to the Pro Invitational, with NASCAR also cutting that money, there's no incentive for us to run a cup race. So we're going to end up cutting back the schedule now. Look, Timmy Hill's not out there racing to win races week in, week out. They are, unfortunately, much slower than these charter teams. But... We want to see these teams go out there, be on the track, add some diversity, maybe turn into a full-time organization and give us a little bit more contrast in our winners like we've seen to start this season. For NASCAR to kind of screw them, that does not seem right to me. Timmy Hill should be in this. And I am right now on Twitter. We record this show a little bit earlier in the afternoon. So you're hearing this at either 7 or after sports on Fox Sports 640. Right now, it's about noon on Wednesday as I'm recording this show. And I'll tell you, it looks like something is in the works here. Something kind of awesome that I love seeing. Now, Austin Sindrick is going to be in the Pro Invitational. Not a full-time driver, but he's driving the car that Brad would normally drive, the two car. Well, he sent out a tweet not that long ago and said, quote, big shoes to fill subbing for BK, tight squeeze into his virtual seat, which is uh, obviously not true. It's just his own seat. Knees are in the virtual digital dash. I didn't even have time to pack a virtual tear off. So I think Timmy Hill 
would be the man for the job tonight. What do you think, Brad Keselowski? And he's like, I like where your head's at. Then Penske comes out and says, we're down. Let's do it, Timmy Hill. Now, here's the thing. Timmy Hill hasn't responded yet. So I I, I hope this works, that we'll see Timmy uh, Hill tonight. Uh, he might not be driving his 66 car, but it seems like there's a possibility he might be driving the two. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to put his sponsors on it, if we can hopefully work this out for races down the road. But as it stands right now, there is an offer not accepted yet, but an offer stands for Timmy Hill to potentially be in this race tonight virtually. I think this would be a great story. We, we got it trending I mean, uh, NASCAR trending ninth on Twitter uh, uh, across the country. I'm sure a lot of people were probably wondering what the hell Let Timmy Race was. But it, it's a great story if we can get Timmy Hill behind the wheel of a car tonight, how NASCAR Twitter comes together. That, that would be really awesome. As for right now, though, no answer on that. Still trying to wait and see if Timmy Hill will be in the race tonight or uh, potentially what this domino effect could be for MBM Motorsports' cup organization and whether or not they're going to be scaling back their uh, races. Let's hope that doesn't happen. I really don't want to see that. I really think it would be just so awesome to have these guys be a part of it. Obviously, they can win any of these races. It's iRacing. It's it's about the driver more so than the uh, car. They're all exactly the same, and we saw that. He won a race in last year's series and got a lot of attention, and now he's got the fan base rallying behind him. I, I've also seen that it looks like there is going to be a rally to get Timmy Hill into the all-star race, which is pretty awesome. Um, you know, uh, I think it was Josh Wise several years ago who ran a Dogecoin, or is it, I don't even know if it's Dogecoin, I can never pronounce that, it's the dog uh, cryptocurrency, D-O-G-E, it's either dog or Doge, I don't know. Uh, regardless, he put that on the car, and the Reddit community went to work, and they voted him in over Danica Patrick, which was unbelievable. So who knows, we might be shaping up for yet another underdog story with the All-Star Race coming up uh, over the summer with uh, Timmy Hill. Who knows what's going to be happening there quite yet. Hopefully we'll see him racing tonight. I'll keep an eye out to see if maybe I can update you before the end of the show if we get a response here. But right now, Timmy Hill still has not responded as of about noon on Wednesday. Coming up in a couple of minutes on Flag to Flag, we have got one wild weekend coming up. Nobody really knows what to expect. It has been 51 years since NASCAR raced on the dirt and it is happening again at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, we had a lot of racing over the previous week with a ton of different kind of dirt cars. Over Something like 1,400 entries competed in the Bristol Dirt Nationals over the week. A lot of drivers were trying to get some seat time. We'll talk about all the drivers that still are going to try and get some extra seat time this weekend, how they're doing it. Plus, are we going to keep this streak alive? Is there going to be a new winner, or is it going to be one of the same? That's going to be coming up in a sec, too, as well. More Flag to Flag after the break on Fox Sports 640. We are getting dirty this weekend at Bristol, racing on the dirt, and it is the Cup Series that's going to be there. 51 years. It was 1970 the last time Cup cars tackled the dirt track. So, honestly, I think the word for this weekend is, I don't know. That's got to be the phrase right there. Who knows what is going to happen? This is, this makes Talladega look tame. This is as big of a wild card as we could possibly get. 
So obviously, when racing on the dirt, things will be very different. So first and foremost, what is it going to look like? How is this weekend going to play out? Well, it starts with a random draw. Set the field for four 15-lap qualifying heat races. And this is going to be the rules for both the Truck Series and the Cup Series this weekend. So a random draw will determine your heat race designation and starting position for that heat. That draw is coming up on Friday, and it will be in the order of owner points. Then we are going to have four qualifying races per series, 15 laps each, only green flag laps count, no overtime, free pass wave around, all in effect, but there's going to be passing points. So this is, it sounds a little more confusing than it really is, but if you finish up front, which if we got four of these races and about a 40 car field, you'll have about 40 people or 10 people per race. Uh, it pays stage points in passing points. These points only exist, um, for your starting position. They're not championship points. We're not going to see them in the point standings. This determines your starting order for the race. So if you finish first, you get 10 points. If you finish 10th, you get one like the end of the stage, but every position you gain gets you another point. So if you start 10th and you win, you get 10 points, but then you get another 10 points because you pass 10 people. That can give you an advantage on your starting position. Once that is done, they are going to look at the results of the points and they will set the field based on that with owner points being the tiebreaker. And then, then we will have our starting lineup. Features. Lineup will be based, like we said, on the combined points there. It's divided into three stages, just like every other race. But because we have a dirt surface and we have an asphalt pit road, actually, NASCAR is going to do things similar to the, uh, to the Eldora truck races without live pit stops. So what these non-competitive pit stops mean, the running order is going to be frozen at the end of each stage. During the break, you can change tires, add fuel, and make adjustments to your car or truck. Non-competitive pit stops must be completed in a time that will be designated by NASCAR. We don't have that yet. No fuel or tires except at the stage breaks unless you have an issue like a flat tire. If you don't elect, you start ahead of the teams that don't pit, or rather if you stay out and you don't elect to pit, You'll be out in front of them on the restart, and then the order will remain the freeze at the end of the caution. So whenever you come into pit road, you'll leave pit road in that order as long as you uh, finish up before the designated time. So, for instance, if you have five minutes to do your stuff, if you finish in five minutes, it doesn't matter when you do. You're still going to come out the same way you came into pit road, just behind anybody who elected to stay on the track. If you go over that time, I'm sure there'll be a penalty. Uh, the time, like I said, hasn't been announced yet. There also is not going to be a choose rule. I don't understand this. Choose rules are uh, the epitome of dirt racing, and we're not going to have it because we can't paint on the dirt the choose triangle. It's a choose cone. Just use the cone. Every dirt track on the planet, they put the cone out in the track, they tie a rope to it, and after the cars go over it and choose, they pull the, ro uh, the rope and pull the cone in. We really can't do that? This is one of those where it would make such a massive difference. I don't understand that, but... No choose rule, so uh, whatever line you're in, you are stuck in. I don't know what the preferred line is going to be at Bristol. We know that the bottom can be rough, but that's on the paved oval that we're going to see later on this year. So really, who knows what's going to be the situation um, with uh, the restarts and what lane you're going to want to be on. I said the, the unknowns are so extreme for this weekend. And normally speaking, when you have a race like this, you would turn around and say, okay, we're probably going to have somebody new win here. But this season has been a year of surprises. And this is why I really believe we're going to see somebody else win their second race of the season. Because my two favorites, 
Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell, they've won the Eldora truck or yeah, the Eldora truck race. Kyle Larson and Bell both have extensive dirt racing background, especially, you know, Kyle Larson, when he was on suspension and lost his ride last year, he was dirt racing all over the country and he was winning almost every one of them. He was dominant out there. So he's got the leg up. He's obviously the head of the pack right now. He had a very good car at Atlanta, probably could have won. They were very good at Phoenix and just... They shot themselves in the foot. Obviously, they've already got a win this year. And Christopher Bell won on the road course. So two of my guys I'm watching the closest have been to victory lane. So oddly enough, the weekend I had marked as the biggest wild card where I thought, watch Christopher Bell or Kyle Larson get their first win there of the season. They both won. So I still think they're going to win one of the two of them. But they're going to have they're going to they're going to ruin our streak, honestly, if they do. So that's why I'm still kind of sitting here thinking, you know, this might be when uh, this uh, dream ends of getting seven straight. If we do hit seven straight, first time since 2003, and if we can get eight straight, that hasn't happened since we had 10 winners to start the 2000 season. So really a a lot of uh, parody to start this year. Drivers to watch this weekend. This is really, I think, who you got to keep an eye on. Because I've mentioned Kyle Larson, I've mentioned Christopher Bell. But here are a couple of guys who normally you might not be watching as closely that might be good to keep an eye on. Bubba Wallace. The 23-11 team hasn't been off to a fantastic start. They were good at Daytona, but again, this is a new organization. This is a equalizer. Nobody knows what to expect. They all have the same amount of practice. They, they get 50 uh, minutes apiece with two sessions on Friday. So you've never really been in a situation where you're this even, I think, with the competition. And Bubba Wallace, he won the Eldora Dirt Race. So keep an eye out for him. You know, he could surprise us this weekend. Chase Briscoe talked about him earlier. He needs something good to happen. Just a solid day would be key for Chase Briscoe. And he, again, has won the the truck race at Eldora. So has Austin Dillon. In fact, all of the winners at Eldora, with the exception of Matt Crafton, are on the list I just gave you pretty much. They are going to be in the cup race. But um, there's another guy on the list, too, who's going to be in the cup race for the first time ever, who also won the Eldora dirt race, Stuart Friesen. Now, this guy is an excellent dirt racer. Just to give you an idea, he has over 330 career wins in dirt modified racing. That is an astronomical number, but that is what his stats are. He's going to be driving for Spire Motorsports in the 77. It's part of a big weekend for him because he's got some cool stuff happening in the truck race we'll get to in just a sec. But Stuart Friesen is making his cup debut. Again, he's with a, a team that I would say, hey, maybe they can get a top 25 and do good Spire Motorsports any other week of the year. If we were not at the Bristol Dirt Race, I'm telling you. Things are going to be crazy. I really think they are going to be. I was skeptical of this race when they first announced it. I'm not even sure if I'm on board with it yet. I'm just kind of excited for who knows what that's going to happen this weekend. But Stuart Friesen, he could easily have a very good run. I'm not saying he's going to shock the world and go to victory lane. I'm not saying he can't. We've seen crazier things. Well, that would be pretty nuts, actually. That might be pretty crazy if he did. First career cup start going to victory lane doesn't happen very often. Either way... It'll be very interesting to see if uh, these guys have a shot at running maybe better than they have in the past couple of weeks, or honestly, if anybody can do anything with Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell, because I think those are your early favorites. Another thing to watch, too, we have a couple of dirt ringers in the field. They're in some lower-funded organizations, but they're still going to be on the dirt. It's an even playing field. Uh, I can't stress it enough. Chris Windham and Shane Golobic. 
are going to be driving the 15 and the 78, respectively. So keep an eye out for those guys. They're making their cup debuts, and they are here solely because they are dirt ringers like we used to see with the old road course ringers. This race kind of reminds me with the way road courses used to be. We have so many on the schedule this season. We used to just have the two, and a lot of times it was just survive that race. We don't have custom cars for it like we do now. This dirt race has a lot of the same feel. We don't have the custom uh, dirt cars. We're not running it five, six times a year to where teams have put a lot of research and development into this. It's kind of a crapshoot. So I'm really excited to see which drivers can continually run well on the dirt. That, That first and foremost, which drivers are... Normal, regular cup drivers, your Denny Hamlins, your Kevin Harvick's, your Kyle Busch's. Kyle Busch, he's a guy I would watch this weekend. He adapts very well. You know, he's been on dirt quite a few times. I think Kyle Busch could be another really solid contender. But I'm very curious to see how our regulars handle the dirt and how the guys who maybe don't shine week in, week out can capitalize on this race here. And a way that guys are planning on doing that is by filling up the truck field with quite a few cup names. Um, you know, NASCAR has put limits that I am a big fan of on cup drivers competing in the lower divisions. And this has happened a ton with the lower divisions over the years where it was like a cup miniseries, especially in the old Bush series where we used to see that. And NASCAR has limited that. And some people say that it's a detriment because you don't get to see your favorite drivers on that, that side of the uh, field. And other younger drivers can learn when they're racing Kyle Busch. Well, look at the truck race last weekend. Kyle Busch, he, he basically just rolled over and let John Hunter Nemechek win the two stages, his team car swing, so get some points, and then just went on to dominate and win the race. So I don't know how much learning was really going on from Kyle Busch. He was way out in front to do that there. But I do have to admit, I am excited for this lineup in the truck race. And I feel like I shouldn't be because I, I hated when cup drivers were in it. But this is an opportunity to see something we don't see every day, and it makes it more special, and I'm actually really looking forward to seeing the cup guys shake it up with the truck guys because they're not kicking their teeth in week in, week out. I really like the way the restrictions are. We still get to see them. They still show up. They still excite us, but guys are winning that normally would not because cup drivers are dominating all these races. I also like, by the way, when I'm looking at these stats, most of these guys, uh, are running for smaller organizations. So here is the lineup of drivers who are going to be running in the truck race. We have seven drivers going to be pulling double duty from the Cup Series. Actually, eight when you include Stuart Friesen, but he is a Truck Series regular, so I don't have him on my list here. But for the uh, uh, Cup drivers competing, the 0-2 Young Motorsports entry is going to be Daniel Suarez. Chase Briscoe, He's getting ready to go. He won that truck race we talked about at Eldora. He's going to be driving in the 04 for Roper Racing. Bubba Wallace trying to get that experience. Some of these guys to watch again. He's won the Eldora truck race too. Spencer Davis Motorsports has got the number 11 for him with Columbia Sportswear going to be on that car. So good sponsorship there. Kevin Harvick, he's back in the truck series for the first time in a while. He's got himself quite a few truck wins and he's driving for Team DGR in the number 17. Not a cup driver, but from the Xfinity series, watch for Myatt Snyder dropping to drive with Rion Brothers Racing. He'll be in the number 33. Here's a name you haven't heard in the truck series in a very long time. Ryan Newman. He is entered in the number 39. So, uh, you know, Ryan, he loves modifieds and shaking it up on dirt. I know he ran the uh, the dirt truck race a couple of times at Eldora, too. So he, he's got to be excited for that ride. Kyle Larson, you can't keep this guy off dirt. He's even getting more practice. That's why you got to be worried about him for Sunday. He's going to be driving the number 44 for Nice Motorsports. We've got Martin Truex Jr. driving for KBM. Great car, great team. That's going to be a tough combo to beat if 
he can handle himself on dirt well. Martin Truex Jr., his first truck race since 2006. It's going to be on the dirt at Bristol. He'll be driving the 51. And here's a pretty crazy story. Something else that's going to be going down this weekend in the truck race. The driver of the number 62 is a teammate to Stuart Friesen at Hallmark Friesen Racing, which is a one-car organization. But they have brought on this second car, and the driver, another, I guess you could say, ringer, somebody who's run on the dirt tracks and the short tracks, it's Stuart Friesen's wife, Jessica Friesen. So we are actually going to have a pair, a, a couple who are married competing against each other in the truck race. That's pretty wild. We haven't seen anything like that since Danica was dating Ricky um, and, and they raced together. But yeah, so a husband and wife driving for the same organization competing at the Bristol dirt race. That is really cool. Actually. I'm, I'm very excited to see how they both run against each other. And of course, Stuart, be careful. Don't cause any crashes. Well, really, for both of you guys, you're, either one of you can end up in the doghouse if you take somebody out of an opportunity here. There was, I mean, uh, once everybody's okay, I got to admit, it was kind of funny when Stuart, uh, when Danica and uh, Ricky Stenhouse used to get into a couple of incidents because you'd always wonder if one of them is at fault. Is anybody getting blamed at the dinner table that night? I, I think, I mean, heck, these guys seem to hold more grudges than anybody I've ever seen out there in sports. They got memories that last forever. They probably held a couple of grudges. <laughs> All right, well, let's see what we got coming on this weekend here. It is a wild weekend at the Bristol Dirt Nationals, uh, or rather at the uh, Food City Dirt Race. The Nationals just happened. That was with those 1,400 different dirt cars. Austin Dillon got himself a win in the 604 Crate Modified Feature, uh, and we also had uh, some guys that were running good. Kyle Busch was supposed to be in the Bristol Dirt Nationals on Saturday night. He ran the Atlanta Truck Race. He got the win. That kind of held him up, and actually, Kyle Busch did not make it back. So he did not get as much practice as I'm sure he was hoping for. Although he did lead or uh, run some of the preliminaries to get some practice. He is uh, unfortunately not going to be in position right now um, to, uh, or he was not in position to run the 40 lap feature and get himself a little more experience that uh, guys like Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson got. So uh, Kyle Bush, he got some experience. We'll see if that helps him out when we go racing, but I still think those dirt guys are the ones you got to watch for this weekend. And believe me, this is a race you're going to want to watch coming up this weekend. It's going to be good. It starts on Saturday qualifying heats. So uh, we have those four 15 lap races. I was telling you about the action starts four 30 on FS one. It is the four qualifying heats for the NASCAR camping world truck series, Pinty truck race on dirt. Then after that 6 PM FS one Saturday is going to be the cup series qualifying races. Now, as far as the uh, truck series goes, we have 44 entries. So some people are going home. Everybody will make the cup race with 39 entries for 40 spots. The truck race follows a night race on dirt 8 PM on FS one. And then Sunday at three, 3.30 on Fox, we have the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol. Here is one thing, though, and I don't want to be the guy to rain on our parade, literally. Weather forecast does not look good for Sunday. I'm a little bit uh, worried about this. We, we just can't catch a break with rain at Bristol in the spring race. It seems like it always happens. I don't know what happens if it rains. You can't send the air tight now to dry dirt. You can't race in mud. So I'm a little concerned what effect this weather could have. We may very well be racing on Monday because I just don't know what the process is of getting the track ready to go and drying it out and allowing the cars on it. If it rains, how many hours does it take before the track is viable again? This is a big question that a lot of people are asking and is probably going to have a big effect on this race. And if we do get started halfway 
It's coming really quick. It's a long dirt race. 250 laps is long for a dirt race, but it's short for a NASCAR Cup Series race. So 125 is going to be an important mark um, to see if we can uh, get this race official and uh, hopefully get the whole thing in. Hopefully the weather stays away. You never know with the mountains out there in Thunder Valley, Tennessee. Sometimes they break up the storms. It's great. Other times they just stall them out over Bristol and they ruin the whole day. So let's hope for the best. We want to see some dirt racing at Bristol Motor Speedway. No rainouts. Hopefully going to happen there for the Action 330 on Fox. Uh, no qualifying yet either because we have those uh, dirt race uh, heats. We'll get that information for you over the weekend. That'll be happening on Saturday. As for some more action you can check out, Formula One has got the season opener going on this weekend. Great circuit out there in Bahrain. It's a very uh, intricate circuit. Last time we ran this, we uh, saw that horrific accident for Romain Grosjean, who's going to be making his move over to IndyCar this year. Hopefully a much cleaner event this time around. The Mercedes are continuing to be dominant. Will they keep it up? Time will tell that action ESPN at 10 a.m. And it is a great way to start your morning. Fill it up with a little Formula One before we even get to the cup guys and then jump on over to the dirt track. You want to talk about two major opposites, refined Formula One road racing and NASCAR Cup Series cars beating and banging on dirt. It's going to be a great show. So make sure you check it out on Fox. It's all coming up on Sunday and we're recapping it all. We're back here on Wednesday night. And you can always get the podcast, too. It's foxsports640.com.